This podcast is for anyone that works with clients at an ad or marketing agency, also known as a sued traditionally. This is your chance to hear from client service veterans and other industry professionals on everything advertising and account management related. My hope is every episode will all get a little better at what we do every day. Hello, listeners. You have roped your ears into another episode of Suits Cast. I'm always grateful for your time. I am wondering this evening or this day, depending on when you're listening, are you in a sports mood? Maybe you aren't really into sports and that's okay, but I think we can all admit in the advertising world that sometimes as a a suit, as an account manager, we often feel like referees between our clients and our agency teams. And I think that speaking of teams, teamwork as another sports term is a big part of the job. And you might be wondering, okay, why does this guy keep mentioning sports? And I do have a point. And our interview tale actually begins in the Sunshine City of Tampa. And in addition to being one of the top millennial cities, as it grows on a seemingly daily basis, its variety of restaurants and activities, Tampa has actually grown to be a nice hub for ad agencies in the state of Florida. There are a lot of small and medium-sized shops that have seen a lot of success here. And One such one called Marketing in Color has found a lot of success in Tampa, and our guest today actually comes from there. Her name is Mary Kay Scott. She is an account manager at Marketing in Color, and you still might be wondering, okay, dude, what does this all have to do with sports? And what's really cool is that with having the dream of being a sports journalist, Mary Kay actually got her career started working for the Indiana Pacers. And so what's really cool, she worked to build their internal ad agency there, and after a number of years there, worked with a couple of other industries such as the hospitality space and ultimately has ended up managing a number of accounts now uh, at Marketing and Color for the past couple of years. And so despite being in the ad agency space now and not in the NBA side, she is a still a great team player and still remembers those sports days very well. How are you doing today, Mary Kay? Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much, Brooklyn. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. You had the dream of going into sports, ultimately worked for the Pacers. Are they are they still your favorite team or is there someone other team that you love these days now? Well, they're still my favorite basketball team, but my ideal dream was to work for the Chicago Cubs. And um, last year was the ultimate gift with them winning the World Series. Um Yes. yes, it was a, it was a dream, and it still makes 2016 the best year ever. Um, but I've got coworkers who would agree, <laughs> of course. But honestly, um, once I started working in pro basketball, I realized the summers having them free at the time. This was early on in my career. Um, baseball wasn't really what I wanted to do because you'd have to work all summer. So. That makes sense. Yeah, but ironically, now I'm here working in Tampa, and it feels like I'm working all summer anyway. Right, um, right. <laughs> but You're working, it's like, and it's really hot. It's always hot. Exactly. But um, but seriously, the um, working in basketball was, back in the day, um, kind of really heavy during the basketball season and really light in the summer. But that dr- changed drastically in the year 1999-2000 when the MB- WNBA became became part of the Indianapolis culture where the, M- the NBA Pacers uh, then, then, then owned or just started the WNBA Indiana Fever. So we had a men's team and a women's team. So that kind of went away with the summers being off because – and depending on what role you were in at the team, um, you actually had to do both work for both teams. 
Oh, so yeah, double double upon the work there a little bit. Yes, yes. I didn't do it. Uh, I was in media relations for the Pacers, and I didn't necessarily do media relations for the Fever, but it was all the other underlying things that had to be done besides the media stuff. Well, and it's really fascinating when you talk about some of the underlying things for, I was going to say team, I guess it's now teams, uh, you know, as someone on the ad agency side, we're always trying to see what services we can do for our clients to solve their needs. And so the fact that you were building and boosting internally the quote unquote ad agency team, as you've said, uh, on those teams, what was that like? Just describe what that work entailed when you said it's, it was much more than what you initially, I think, expected, which is media relations. Yeah, um, you know, when I when I describe an ad agency uh, inside the team, you know, um, the the pro teams have their own ad agencies or marketing agencies, if you so if you want to call it that. Um, and when the WNBA team came along, um, because of budget, you know, a lot of the things had to be done. A lot of the creative things had to be done internally. So by the time the team, the women's team came along. You know, we had already established a presence on the men's side of doing things internally. First, it was just me. And then we were able to hire a a graphic designer who ultimately became a senior graphic designer. So um, it was a matter of working hand in hand with an outside agency. Sometimes they would create templates and then we would take over and then update them internally, which is obviously not something that most ad agencies like to do. Um, Absolutely you know, correct. <laughs> the designers like to own their own stuff. But that right. was something that our management worked out and it worked out for the best budget wise, um, ultimately growing what was called the publications department, um, you know, so that we did both. We did work for both men and women and we worked very closely with the printer who was had a, their own design uh, in-house stuff. So it was like my role was being the conduit between the internal clients, which were basically all my coworkers, and the outside vendor, which was really the printer and or the ad agency. Yeah. So it, it kind of was a, a, a very natural segue, you know, being a conduit on that side of business, a uh, similar kind of conduit as we see here in the ad agency space. When when did that kind of click for you to essentially say, oh, you know what, ad agency side, this makes sense now? Well, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, I, I grew up wanting to be in sports, worked my dream job, um, somewhat of a dream job at the Pacers and uh I really liked the project management side of things, not knowing that that's really kind of what I was doing because I just kind of did what I did and didn't realize like technical management and project management was really what I was doing. Um, And so when it came where I had to find a new job, I knew I had a variety of skill, uh, a variety of skill set that allowed me to look in various down various avenues. Um, and it all all came back to project management. So like every job seems to have a project management aspect to it, but yet it's not necessarily called project management. Um, yeah, and that's the that was the hard part because I could do design work, but I don't consider myself a designer. I I was not ever educated as a designer. I was self taught, and so mm-hmm. when people would say, oh, "Mary, mm-hmm. why can't you just go look for a graphic design?" Team? I said, "Because I'm not a graphic designer. I, I don't. I'm not. I, that's not me." I was the last minute. I was the person who had to create things because there was no one else to do it in the, in at the Pacers that is. So it's really just being able to take my experience as a whole and like, how can I work this into that job? Cause after the Pacers, I was working at a nonprofit 
for women business owners. And I was the only person in the office other than the executive director. And all the skills that I learned at the Pacers, basically, I was a one-man team. I did. I designed PowerPoints. I designed. I did. What, that's where I was able to really develop my website skills because we had created a new website. Well, we worked with an outside uh, member who who it was a women's organization. So she designed it. Then I want do the content update. And so I was doing all this stuff as like just being a well-rounded individual from the beginning helped me go down the path of everything. And now understanding clients' needs. Oh, absolutely. And, and kind of being in an environment where you're forced to kind of be the jack of all trades or have all the skills definitely gives you an ability to sympathize and empathize with not only your, your clients in their industry, but also with your agency teams and the different departments and all the different specialties they have to do. The hard part is because I had to do it and because I know how long things take, it's really hard for me sometimes to rectify that's going to take you how long? You know, because I'm like, I, I used to have to work, boom, 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 boom. And I was constantly going from one thing to another and constantly switching gears. And so it's really, it, it's, I've had to learn that. I've had to learn everyone works at their own pace. I, Absolutely. I have to, I, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to realize that. Well, and I think that that realizing that people work at their own pace is a very interesting point. Uh, just to kind of segue a little bit, uh, your your agency owner, your CEO, uh, had a blog post, characteristics of a great account executive. And while it's uh, ironic and coincidental, the, the sports connection, she actually does use the term referee in the blog post about mm-hmm. uh, making sure that, that a, an effective AE is a solid one uh, between both clients and internal teams. And so I think being able to recognize what people's paces are is important because you got to be able to balance both sides. And so I think as I've looked at marketing and color, and I've actually read some of the other blogs and some have written by you, it seems like you guys have actually got a a fairly good process. And it seems like you have actually been a a nice driving force between making sure that the the referee habits are there. And I'm curious, what what are some of those habits that you have in place uh, on either a daily, weekly, what have you basis that helps reinforce being a good referee between clients and your agency team? Being the referee, I, I I've had to learn a lot in my own career because I'm very direct and I'm and that that comes from my Midwest upbringing and being coming from outside of Chicago. <laughs> so I I have gotten in a lot of trouble through my because of my email communications while at the Pacers. A lot of people who did not work as as that company grew and people came in new and people who didn't know me as well as the people who knew me and worked with me for a few, quite a few years, they are like, well, Mary Kay will do anything. But for people who didn't know me, uh, my, my email communication was, was too direct. <laughs> Man, this lady's so mean on email. Well, that blew my mind because for me, I'm just like, I just want to get the job done. I don't, I don't need to be fluffy or anything like that in my email communication. Right. You're just being clear. Yeah. Just, you know, one word answers. Yes. No, you know, I'm, I'm, that's how I am. And so, I learned, I had to learn a lot through even working at the nonprofit where I learned and, and I was an HOA president. So <laughs> through, through all of That's this funny. email communication, <laughs> I've had to learn to be a little bit more diplomatic and that sometimes goes away. <laughs> so I try not to, I try sure. to really look at my email communication and, and, and try to make sure that it's all um, cohesive in the, with the message of the company. Like, you know, we're here to help you. Of course. But I got to say that our, I'm one of many at at Marketing and Color and we are really process oriented. And sometimes those processes, we have to bypass the process. 
And that makes some people angry. But as the account manager, you're just like, we're just going to do it. Because yeah, you, you have go to for think it. about, yeah, you have to think about the budget. You have to think about the time. You have to think about everything involved. And and yes, we should follow the process. However, so it really is just refereeing that part of it. Like, yes, but you know, I one thing is I have really thick skin, and I don't take anything personally unless someone tells me to my face something like that. But you just have to be being an account manager. You can't take things personally. No, absolutely just, not. You know, and and the client's going to get angry and you're going to get not necessarily angry at the client, but you you just you just have to keep a level headed, a level head. And and one thing I always learned is that you hang up the phone and then you complain. (laughs) You know, you can't complain while you're on the phone. You hang up the phone and then you you, you put the phone down and you're like, then you say the choice words that you want to say. So basically, we're going to make sure that none of your clients are listening to this episode. (laughs) I'm actually very lucky. I have I have really good clients too. So of course, of course, I am very. I won't say who clients are mine. No, but I I really do. I I'm very lucky. I have very and actually, um, we're very lucky. In in fact, that the company in itself has very good clients. Um, Cheryl Cheryl is an amazing person. She vets employees and she vets clients. Um, to make sure that they will work with the people that are there and they work with the way we work as a company. Oh yeah. It's, it's funny as, as much business revolves around money. It's, it's funny how in our industry, so much of business revolves around feeling and fits and does, does it, it does. And it it revolves around the personality and how they fit and, and how they do business. And so, you know, everything starts, the referee and starts at the top vetting out the clients, making sure that, you know, just because it's a client doesn't mean that they're right for us. You know, we're a full service marketing team and we work on retainer. Uh, We don't do one-off projects. And so we build relationships with our customers. And those relationships mean a lot, not just to uh, the CEO and and her husband is is our, our creative director. But so it doesn't, just doesn't mean it to them. It means it to everybody. We, we take, personal interest in every one of our clients. Um, you know, we, we treat them like we, we work with them at their building. Our team takes so much pride in their work. We want to make sure that what we're putting out is the best. And yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's because that's the referee in part too. It's like, we want to put out the best, but yet is the budget going to allow us to do that? You know, there might be some, so, you know, there's, you just make the hard decision and just worry about it afterward. Yeah, no, it's, that's a very good way to put it. And I think you also bring up an excellent point that, you know, yes, we have to have thick skin. Yes, we have to be decision makers. And sometimes at a given point in time, when a decision needs to be made about a project, sometimes that means those specific processes that are there, you might have to change them a little bit, or you might have to skip it here just so you can get something done the right uh-huh. way. You know, how, how do you know whether it is something like a, a production meeting, or I think as you've called them um, on some of your documents, briefing meetings, um, some of those processes, how do you know when something like a meeting or a process goes from being like a crucial pulse check to being just straight up unproductive or even almost a hindrance to a project? Where do you draw that line? Well, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I I'll Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl, what is this the right thing to do? No, honestly. <laughs> um, that's when you fire the client. No, I'm well, just kidding. I'm not going to say anything like that. Of course not. We never fire clients. <laughs> um, 
but no, it, it, it really, I don't know how to answer that because we, we really do try to prepare ourselves um, the best we can going into it. Now, if there's a fire and, and I'm fortunate, like I said, I have very good clients where I've not had to really put out many fires. So we try not to waste the client's time because clients are getting billed every time we meet, not every time we meet, but, you know, clients are getting billed. They're, 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 they're paying us for our time and our expertise. So we try not to make it so that there, it is a hindrance. We try to make it so that our meetings are as efficient as possible. Um, if we're done talking, we're done talking and let's go back to work. You know, it's not like let's waste time and chit chat and have fun. But the, that said, we also know when we can have fun. And But that's not obviously built to the client. We bill accordingly. We, we track our time accordingly. And we just make sure that um, we're kind of all on the same page. And when we're not or if there's questions, instead of letting it go back and forth on email, we're, we talk to each other. We set up a meeting, quick 15-minute meeting. And and we have various ways. We, we not only communicate on email, but through Basecamp. I'm, I don't know if, how many people out there are, are familiar with Basecamp. I imagine mm-hmm. a whole ton of them. I was going to say, I'm sure a bunch are. Yeah. I mean, I, I just learned Basecamp while I started here. And, um, but we also it's use... a good platform. Yeah, it's great. And we also use Skype as our um, instant messaging. So we all have Skype mm-hmm. open all day long. And, and some of our clients, we communicate with via Skype too, instant messaging, but then there's also texting. And so it's just a matter of making sure everyone's on the same page, communicating as much as we can. It doesn't happen all the time, you know, hundred percent perfect, but we do try to do our best to make sure everybody is on the same page and, and not wasting the time and, and having to put out fires. And I agree with you. It, it really is a difficult question to answer because sometimes you're going to be in a complicated situation agency side. Sometimes you're going to need to get some type of crucial answer from a, from a client and there's a deadline pending and they go dark and it's like, what do you do? So I understand that, you know, the, the answer to that isn't always as black and yeah. white, but I think they're in those moments when you are trying to play the referee and either be understanding to a concern from the team or be understanding on behalf of your client and make sure that something is on point that, I think sometimes you can you can kind of get almost wrapped up into one side. Yes, uh, what, you can. What do you think? Yeah, and and I guess either in your expertise or your team's expertise, how can suits keep themselves in check so that they are staying as neutral and as middle as possible, so that they're not falling to one side? You know that is really difficult, especially if you you get along with your client. You kind of tend to want to do more for them, even though mm-hmm. you're constantly in the back of your mind. There's a budget here. And that that's really been difficult even for me because in my past, I never really had to wor- work a, worry about a budget on a monthly basis. I never had to track my time because it wasn't trackable. At an, at an agency like this, everything's trackable. Everything, all your, mm-hmm. all your time is billable. Basically, all your time is billable. Um, and that, it's really difficult. So, you know, we try not to do estimates on jobs and with technology, you never know that estimate could go out the window if the computers are down or if something's wrong with some software somewhere or, you know, so it is really difficult to do. Um, so I, I just, you kind of have to keep reminding yourself that this client is on a retainer. This client is, we only have this much left on the, in the budget for the month. And, and one of the reasons that we work with retainer is so that it's not so black and white. You know, hey, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. You're going to go over budget this month by a thousand. That's OK. You know, we'll just start low in the next month or something to that effect. You know, it's not. And, and I think that's what 
what really helps a lot is being on the retainer. Yeah. And, and I can definitely relate to that. We also are all on retainer with all of our clients. I, I think, you know, we're saying before agencies are pretty similarly sized and it's, it's just kind of almost freeing to be on yes. retainer because then you can, you can yes. kind of freely be their brand steward on a monthly basis and yes. you don't necessarily have to worry about, Oh, did this project go over? Did this project go over? You can kind of all blend it together and be able to balance it out over the course of a few months. So I, I 100% agree yeah, with that. It is, and, and it's hard though for companies to, to get used to that if they've not had to do with that before. Um, and so it, it is a matter of just reminding them and all clients are different. Some want to be told on a, on a weekly basis or on a bi-monthly basis, I guess it's bi-monthly or twice a month, you know, mid-month reports. And then at the mm -hmm. end of the month so, to know where they are um, budget wise. And so it, and it depends also on how large their retainer is and because retainers all have different budgets. Uh, or, you know, um, clients all have different budgets or different retainers. So, Correct. It, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's just kind of really knowing um, how long it, something will take. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying, where I know how long something took takes. And you're telling me it took you this long? You know, that's for that's the internal side of like, wait. So, you know, it, it's hard to get that out of that mindset where, OK, so we try not to estimate things. Uh, we try to be. Well, we obviously are transparent as, as much as we can be. I mean, we are a really transparent agency. Oh, of course. But you do touch on something that I think many suits encounter, maybe if not on a daily basis, definitely a couple times a week basis, which is, uh, you know, we have that knowledge of a budget, an objective, a specific task. And like you said, even though we may not be necessarily designing a piece directly, we've got a pretty good idea of how a given piece could take in terms of time. Yeah. And so something that Cheryl mentioned in her article too, or her blog post was that natural tension that exists between an account person and someone like a creative person. Uh -huh. uh, and, and, you know, there's always that push and pull of, well, I got to tell them to do this per the client, but then I also got to push back a little bit to the client to try to build in time for those guys. How do you regularly alleviate some of that natural tension? You know, I have a really good working relationship with our associate creative director who's on, typically on almost, he's on all my accounts. Um, and so we sit right by each other and, and I'm not afraid to ask him, you know, what's his opinion or how long you think something's going to take. Um, I also talking to Cheryl and, and really it's, it's the communication and not being afraid of, you know, if even the developer, you know, the web developer is like the senior developer, it's like, okay, so we just had say an incident came up and I'm like, okay. And I need to tell the client something. So what am I supposed to tell them? And so right. I make them be accountable and, and they're always accommodating. Don't get me wrong. They're always accommodating. And they always, you know, I need to have a rationale for why we did this, or I need to understand why we did this. If I can't come up with the best answer on my own, which helps because I'm older and I have more experience with that, but I always will rely on my coworkers to come up with something, you know, talk about tension between creative and accounts. There's always going to be that because our interest, our best interest is that of the client because we are supposed to know the client the best and their best interest is not in to get, put out the best product. And it's like, it is, it's a, it's a balancing act. It's like, it's always going to be that way, but it helps though that the creative people that we have on staff have been in the agency business world and they understand that. And we're small enough where our, we haven't lost the personal touch between the 
associate creative director and the client. They, they personally know him. That's good. You know what I mean? They, he is in the meetings with not all the meetings, but he's in meetings that he has to be in or, or there. If we're presenting something, we have the design team present it, not the account manager or account executive because the design rationale coming from somebody from the design team makes more sense than me being the middle person. Why? Just have them. It's their, it's what they design. It's what they thought about. So let them share their opinion and share their ideas. It's going to come better. It's going to be more genuine coming from the person who was actually involved doing it than from the account manager. Yeah, that's true. And like you said, some clients also enjoy actually having the barrier broken down at times and actually getting to speak with the person that's yes. creating their stuff. So I, I I like that about empowering the creative team. And of course, too, you get sometimes that realistic response of, what am I supposed to tell the client? And then your ACD says, uh, well, tell them this is crap feedback. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't exactly <laughs> well, yeah, tell them you, that. Yeah, you know, there's, there's obviously real words that are being used, right. but then you have to butter it up and say, well, you know, cause you really, don't, you really can't use the word you want to use, but you know, and, and so it really does help. And, and, and him being as intelligent and, and just experienced in what he's doing, he's so creative and he has such passion when he presents stuff. We were just telling him this a few weeks ago. It's like it coming from you makes much more of a difference than it coming from me, I, you know, I can't pitch it as well as you can pitch it. You know, it's your passion mm-hmm. that comes through when you're speaking. And he appreciated that. It was both Cheryl and I saying it to him. I was like, you have a way of presenting it that will help push it across and help them understand it more. Um, and I, I, I remember back at the Pacers where uh, in the role I was in, we didn't have any contact with the actual person at the agency that was doing creative work. It was always the the individual person, like their their account manager speaking to us is like, and I never understood that, you know, going this for the first time I'm actually thinking about this. I never understood that. I was like, why wouldn't we talk to the creative person directly? You know, we're not stupid. We kind of know uh, InDesign and Quark and Photoshop and Illustrator. And it was very frustrating because I, again, knew what that person had to do. So because knowing the software. And so it, it, it is interesting now even, um, although we allow the creative to do what they do, there's some stuff that comes through or like, are you sure this is what you wanted? You know, and then the, there's that fine balance of, not necessarily agreeing with their direction. And those can be, those can be really difficult conversations. Oh yes, they can. <laughs> so that's when, you know, you try to resolve it and then you just try to say, you know, I just agree to disagree or you, or you try to find a middle ground. And, and usually that's what happens. There's a middle ground. And then you also learn what battles to fight. That is absolutely a good account person yeah. trait too, is learning when to pick your battles. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, instead for me to learn that, you know, I wanted to fight a lot of battles in my young day, younger days. And now I know that those battles aren't worth fighting. Yeah, it's-, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, just let it go. Well, and also too, I do think there is a little bit of an kind of a, an ego centric portion yes. of being an account person. And there's a lot of temptation to almost assume, well, I, I, you know, literally it's not the case, but you kind of convince yourself subconsciously like, oh, well, I, I understand this design just fine, or I understand the idea, but really it, it helps to take a step back, take a deep breath and just say, all right, maybe I don't understand their perspective yeah. completely, or maybe there's something I'm missing about this design. And, you know, just, just kind of 
replugging on a difficult conversation or just, again, like you said, empowering them, deferring to them to either present something or to really explain something either to you or the client if, you know, if there's comfort there. Yeah, it, it, do, it does really help because I, I would hate to uh, say something that isn't uh, accurate. And believe me, I, you know, I've said it plenty of times and I just have to, hey, you know, this is uh, I, I was wrong. And, you know, that's the other thing is just being able to admit your faults and admit your mistakes into a client, let alone to your coworker, but to a client, say, oh, I screwed up. You know, I, I'm very I'm mm-hmm. very anal and I hate messing up. So when it happens, if it's not like, say, a coworker messed up on something, ultimately, I'm the account manager. So it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I have to. That's right. We got to own it anyway. Exactly. And believe me, I get quite upset. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I have a few people at work I could talk to about it, including Cheryl. I'll just walk into her ho- office. I say, okay, I have to vent. You know, it's. A, does it, does yeah. it start with an unashamedly short email first? <laughs> From who? Me or the other person? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, sometimes I get too winded in my emails, but I try to get it, you know, but, um, but eventually I just like, (sighs) I say wooza a lot from the bad boys movie. Wooza, wooza, (laughs) trying to relax, wooza. Whatever those meditation words are to to come back (laughs) to reality a little bit. Exactly. Just like wooza. And then I type. Right. And then you de- delete and then you type more and then you delete and then you realize, okay, the third time or fourth time I type the message. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those are good words. And uh, it, and I have to say, I, I absolutely love the team that I work with. And it sounds like you have a fantastic team too, which I got to, I give, got to give you a shout out for doing this because apparently for those of you at Marketing Color who are listening, I'm aware that <laughs> I am apparently some Australian mystery date man and this podcast was not legit. So let the record show. Oh, this thing is legit, so. I am not telling them when this is airing. They're all, they, they wanted to know if they could call in. Oh, man. I might have to send like a mass email to the agency just so so they can all get a little sneak peek. So. Oh, seriously. I was almost late coming home because the two girls that I talked to usually on the accounts, they're on the accounts team and we're always working late. Yeah. Uh, they're like, can we call in? We want to call in. I'm like, you're not calling in. I'm not even telling you about it. Oh, man. Well, I mean, hey, I I, I want to be agnostic in terms of guests if they're experienced account people if they're as fun as you are i absolutely want them on the show believe me the one is the one who makes me laugh every day that that would be courtney she's a junior account manager and then the other girl jess she she just started she's account man account executive and they're they're both in their 20s and they're they're incredible and they i see them having very if they chose choose to i see them having um long careers in the account management and our project management role because i mean they're just it's sad to say they remind me of myself when i was younger and i feel so yeah. sorry for them because <laughs> i know what they have coming to them <laughs> i thought you said they have a long shot at this <laughs> just kidding. i'm so sorry you guys if you're listening <laughs> Oh, oh man, this is too good. But I, well, that that's awesome, man. I'm I'm sure they would. Uh, I'm sure they'll appreciate those words. Oh yes, they 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 they're they're great at what they do, and they're learn. But honestly, um, Courtney would did something the other day, and I'm like, oh my god, that is so me twenty years ago. That's funny. Oh, I'm so sorry yeah. for her, but it's it's just a di- <laughs> it's a it's a different personality. Yeah, but it's it's a great line of work, and there's a reason we get up every day to do it enthusiastically because it's uh, it's it's a great industry. It's busy, but we love working with our coworkers and our yeah. clients. So. Yeah, 
it's a good thing. Yep. But um, yeah, well, well, Mary Kay, I think we are actually running to just the, the end of our time here. And I do got to throw you a curveball question, <laughs> as I love to do for all of my hey, guests. I'm, I'm a sports fan, so throw me that curveball. <laughs> uh, th- there you go. And I actually did have one for you. So who do you think, and I know we're, we're kind of in the middle at the time of this recording, right in the middle of basketball season, but who do you think is going to come out at the top of the NBA finals? Well, the Pacers are the sleeper because, you know, they got rid of Paul George, but uh, they got some new guys that are, are doing really well there. Uh, it is early. Everything happens after the all-star break where we'll see what teams are made of, but you know, the Warriors are, they're as strong as ever. You know, I don't see anything, you know, stopping Seth Curry and the gang. Um, but then there's always LeBron, blah, blah, blah. There's LeBron. You know, they built the team up. I don't know. I don't think OKC has it, even with Paul George going there and, and Carmelo Anthony. That's where he went, right? Yeah, he went to. Did he go to Thunder? I, I actually am very light on my knowledge. I, I'm a light Orlando Magic fan being where I'm at. So you should I, be because they're not doing very well. Yeah, that's one of my buddies <laughs> is a big fan. And he's like, ah, you don't need to watch him this year. So <laughs> Yeah, that, but you know, sports is cyclical. They, it all comes and goes. And, and, you know, the Pacers are really bad when the Colts are really good. Now the Colts are bad and the Pacers are good. So it, it goes back and forth. Same with any kind of any kind of city that has both teams. But um yeah, it's going to be probably the Warriors and the Cavs again. Or, you know, you never know. Houston can come around or or some other team that I'm not familiar with that's doing good and I don't I haven't paid attention. Yeah. So I'm sticking with <laughs> well, the Pacers. There you go. That's good. You, you got to be loyal to the end. I like it. So there you uh, go. Well, well, awesome. Uh, so again, uh, that was a great answer to that question, by the way. But Mary <laughs> Kay, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for the insights, too. It was really cool getting to see kind of your perspective on how to tackle some of these more internally facing issues that I think come up in a typical week. And like I said, your team sounds fantastic. And uh, I, I hope they love this episode. If anyone wants to get in touch with you and maybe just pick your brain a little bit more about account management, what's the best way for them to do so? Oh, the best way is to just give me an email, um, mkscott at marketingincolor.com, M-M-K as in Mary Kay, S-C-O-T-T, at marketingincolor. Um, yeah, they can, I'm willing to talk to anybody and, you know, patience and hard work and, and communication and understanding and all the things that you learn in basically first grade, I think, is really what you need. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I, I like that. The, the, re, the reductionistic outlook. I like it. Except the typing part. The typing part comes later in life, but you really got to yeah. know computers and technology. That helps too. Oh, man. Yeah, that's no, true. But yeah, well, I, and I'll, I'll put your email in the show notes for anyone listening that uh, didn't quite hear that. But uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, thank you again, Mary Kay. It was awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much, Brooklyn. I'm glad you reached out to me. And a huge thank you to all the guy and gal listeners out there. This is the end of another episode of SuitsCast. If you ever have a burning question you'd love to hear addressed in the show, or maybe you just want to get in touch with me and leave some feedback, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at suitscast at gmail.com. One more time, that's suitscast at gmail.com. And lastly, if you'd like to support SuitsCast, there are two ways you can do so. The first way, if you haven't done so already, is to subscribe so you'll know exactly when the next episode is ready for your next listening session. And secondly, head on over to Apple Podcasts app if you aren't already there and leave a review for the show. Let me know and potential listeners know exactly what your thoughts are on SuitsCast. And with that, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again so much. See you next time and Suits out.